Glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us, if it's your first time. Glad you made your way here. If you're listening online today, um, glad that you're listening. Oh, it feels good to be in the house, doesn't it? Man. Oh, well, if you're visiting with us or if it's been a while since you've been here, especially glad you're here today. Want to uh, want to get going this morning with a, a, a word and uh, appreciate worship this morning. Um, going to do what we do every week. I don't know about you, I need it this week more than I normally do. I've got vacation coming up, and it always seems like the week coming up to vacation is the worst for me. So I'm leaving for Nashville right after church, and um, just a crazy week I've had, and going to be another crazy one this week. So I, I need a deep breath. Um, and what's funny about, uh, about my preaching is that if I don't get a deep breath and I don't get perspective, you'll get absolutely nothing out of what I got to say because it'll come from my brain instead of from God's mouth. And uh, that's where I want it to come from today. So if you're like me and you are nervous, you're anxious, you're, maybe you've had a tough week, maybe you've had a great week and you just are st- kind of on a high from that, whatever it is, give you a chance right now to get a deep breath, just to, just to take a deep breath and, and get some perspective on your life. Um, what we talk about a lot around here is if you had a big remote control for your life, if you could kind of just hit the pause button for a minute and let God kind of do his thing um, on your heart and in your mind. Even if you're, you're not sure you believe in him, if you're listening online, we've got a lot of people that listen online, about 850 a week on average, um, people listening online, which is more than we have here by quite a bit. Um, and if you're listening online, we want you here. You won't believe the feeling it is to be here, to love on each other. But we're glad you're listening, no matter how you're listening. And we, we want you to know that um, even if you don't believe in God, even if you're kind of kicking the tires, just seeing what's real and what's not, that in this moment, you might as well take a deep breath and, and try this thing. Um, you won't believe how many of us in this space um, have been broken, have, you wouldn't believe the histories that, we, that are represented in this place, um, drugs, alcohol, addiction, sex, problems all over the place. What you're going to see in this place um, is not a whole bunch of uh, Christians who have lived that way their whole life. It's people who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus um, and who are changing the way they live and getting stronger every day. And right here, right now, um, is a good opportunity for you to get the deep breath you need to get through the week. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to just pause here, um, give God some, uh, a little bit of space, a little bit of silence, um, he said that if he wanted to, he could yell into your life, but he chooses to speak in a still, small voice, so you have to turn everything down. So grab the volume knob and turn it down this morning so you can hear from God. We're going to have a little bit of quiet, and then I'll finish this out in prayer, and we'll jump right into our message this morning. Let's pray together. God, in a world that's moving so fast, so many things that seem to be trying to get our attention, we know that you, you could get our attention anytime you wanted to, and sometimes you do. With a tragedy, with the death of a loved one, with a, with a life circumstance that you don't cause, but that you use to get our attention. God, we, we choose right now to turn our attention to you. We turn the volume down on everything else in our life just for a moment, our money problems, our relationship problems, our sin problems, our addictions, we we pause all of that stuff right now 
so that we can hear a fresh word from you. God, nobody listening to this this morning wants a good idea from the preacher. We could go to Dr. Phil for a better idea than I have or listen to the radio or read a book. What we want is to be spoken to by the creator of the universe, something that changes who we are. Would you speak into our lives today and we'll listen and we'll act on it. God, you know there's nothing that makes me special to be up here today. In fact, if it weren't for the blood of Jesus in my life, there would be no, I'd have no business standing here today. Would you clean me? Would you make me worthy of saying what you need to be said today? And would you speak into my heart as well in your son's name? Amen. Well, we are starting today the first sermon in the last chunk of Stronger. Um, we have uh, gone through a series called Stronger. Um, if you're visiting with us or you're listening online, you haven't heard the Stronger series. We started back at the first of the year. Um, we are over halfway through the year, and we are almost completely through the Stronger series. And it's been, um, it's been a real uh, incredible experience for me to get to kind of plan one sermon series for the entire half of the year. I've never done that before. And this kind of completes all of that. If you haven't heard it, the Stronger sermons, they kind of build on each other. And you can go back to our website. Um, at paragonnewlifecc.com, um, and, and it's on the bulletin too if you don't have that. And you can listen to all the sermons in the Stronger series. It's going to be a long week if you try to listen to them all at the same time. Um, but uh, you can listen to those and kind of get caught up. But they've, they've built through this, this understanding that God wants us to be stronger every day, that He intends for us to get better every day. And as you'll see, you'll remember these slides, and Tanya, you can just keep going there on that. This is going to build. There are, there are about five things that we've talked about um, God wants us to get stronger spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally. That breaks down in all kinds of things. If you're dealing with, with faith issues in your life, um, you need to know that God wants you to get stronger in your faith and that your faith is of utmost concern to Him. Even above your comfort, even above some of the things that might be more important to you, your faith is important to God. He wants you to be stronger physically. So a bunch of us, you won't believe, if you, if you haven't been around here, you wouldn't believe seeing um, the change in some of us. I mean, just physically, our bodies are different. I mean, I'm looking around the room. This, this room looks different than it did when we started this thing because we have taken this seriously, that God wants physically for us to be accountable to what he's giving us. So we've, we've started this, way, this, this uh, Bod for God group, and people have lost a lot of weight. We've also started the, the first ever 5K at New Life. Um, which is going to start, which the 5K is going to be in the fall, but we're training for it and getting ready for it. Um, and so people are taking that seriously. Stronger mind. He wants us to be stronger mentally. He wants us to understand who we are, where we come, came from, and how we think. He wants us to, to be stronger with our money. We all know in this place that we struggle with money. Um, if you live in this area, in Morgan County, Monroe County, Owen County, um, my guess is you struggle with money like all of us do. Um, and God wants us to be free financially, and so there's a whole, we've, we've spent a lot of time on that. My wife has kind of led us halfway through um, a, a series called a Financial Peace with Dave Ramsey, and it's really changed the lives of some of our people um, when, they, when they think about money, and she's going to pick that back up in the fall and finish that series out. Um, and then stronger relationships. We've talked about our marriages. We've talked about our friendships. We've talked, to, even last week, talked to, uh, the last series we did was about family and those relationships. Um, and so all that's available, and I'm, I want to end this whole series with what I believe God wants us to do in the long run with all of those things combined, um, and that's to develop a stronger life every day. All those things together create a stronger life, and I want to talk a little bit about it today um, in terms of, uh, of um, the fact that what God wants from you is to get better every day. 
He just wants you to get better every day. It's like my son, um, Reese, and I were just talking about recently. He, he wants to be able to ride a bike. And I, I don't know what it is, but he's, uh, he just turned six, and he's still got training wheels on his bike. And man, that's rough on a six-year-old. You know, He'll see kids that are younger than him riding a bike without training wheels, and there's just like this, Dad, take those training wheels off. And I took his training wheels off once, and it was like, he's going to end up in the emergency room. So we, we got him a new bike and got some training wheels still on it, and he's, just, he's riding a big boy bike with training wheels. And there's just this thing that he, he doesn't really very much like about it. And we were talking about this weekend, he got a new scooter, and his sister flies on the scooter, and he's just a little careful, you know, and he's, he's a cute little guy, but he doesn't want to be a cute little guy. He wants to be a big, tough guy who doesn't need training wheels and who can fly past his sister. And the truth is, what I told him this weekend, is, buddy, you're going to get better every day. You're going to get better every day you get out here on your bike. Every day you get on your scooter, you're going to get better. You're going to get more comfortable. You're going to get faster. You're going to get stronger. You're going to get a bit better. The truth is, in the long run, with my son, whether it's the scooter, whether it's the bike, whether it's his school, whether it's his attitude, whether it's his nutrition, as long as he gets better every day, as long as he gets a little bit better every day, that's what he needs to do. It's what God wants from you. To be better tomorrow than you are today. To be better spiritually, to be better physically. Does that mean that God wants you to be perfect? No, we know that. You're going to mess up. You're going to step backwards. You're going to have times where you fall. But the intent is that you pick up and you make the right choice and the right decision to go in the right direction and get better tomorrow. That's what Stronger is about. That's what God wants from your life. He promises that, that you plus God equals anything. Anything that He desires for you. If you say, God, this is what I want for my life, no matter what it is in your life, if you say, God, I want this for my life, but you know what, God, whatever you want is what I want most for my life. And if that's the case, if you give your life over to that, you plus God equals anything. And we have seen that already over the last six months. And I'll, be, uh, I'll have been here eight years in September, and I have never been in a church. And I've been in some churches of three, 4,000 people. I've never been in a church where I've seen more drastic change in the hearts and lives of people than I have at New Life Christian Church. And I believe it's because we have dedicated ourselves here that we are not going to play church. We're not going to come in and pretend that somehow what we do here doesn't affect what we do every day of our lives. This thing on Sunday, if you're visiting or if you're not here very often, you just come or you're listening online, this thing on Sunday that we do is not church. This is not church. This happens to be the time that the church comes together. But this is just the catalyst. This is the excitement. This is just the push to get through the daily activities that God wants us to do to get better every single day. And and he's laid that out for us. You know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my problem with, with directions. When it comes to instruction manuals, you know, when you get kids, you get this problem where every toy comes with, like, you have to have an engineering degree to figure out how to put it together. And I get these, these big boxes of things for my kids for Christmas and birthdays. And I pour them out, and the very, you know, all these parts and pieces come out. And then right at the end is like this little piece of paper. I don't know, it's supposed to have instructions on how you're supposed to put it together. But I always take it and throw it, you know, like, who, who needs the instructions? And I put it together, and by the time it's done, it looks like all messed up. It's like something it shouldn't be. Honey, I'm sorry I broke the roof of your dollhouse because I put the walls up before I put the Whatever it is. And, and so... The, the whole idea um, with instructions is that, you know, you, you're supposed to kind of do it step by step. Here, here's somebody who has said, I've done this before, I know what needs to be done, do it this way and it'll come out right. Well, what usually in my house happens is that I start to put together the bike or the whatever and without the instructions, it gets put together wrong and then something gets jammed in a way it shouldn't get jammed. Risha spends the next half hour to 45 minutes undoing whatever I've done 
then gets the instructions out and puts together right. And that's really the way it goes in my life. And maybe if you're a guy, I don't know what it is about guys, we hate these instructions, nobody's going to tell me how to put this thing together. The truth is, instructions are good. And the, the thing about it, next slide, Tanya, the thing about it is that instructions in our life keeps us from these major mistakes that we have to learn from. And, and one of the things about a stronger life that I want to talk about over the next few weeks is about starting over. It's about start overs. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do was play wiffle ball. Nobody plays wiffle ball anymore. People play wiffle ball? There's still some wiffle ball around? You don't see it much. Seems like too many video games. I'm getting old. Um, but the wiffle ball was a huge deal when I was a kid. And you'd have this thing where you go out in the yard, and we always had a smaller yard than we needed, and that's why they created a wiffle ball in the first place, because it wouldn't go as far. We throw a wiffle ball, it gets stuck up in a tree or goes in the neighbor's yard and everybody yells the same thing. What is it? Do-over, right? You remember this? Do-over. And what that means is what just happened doesn't matter. What just happened wasn't fair, it doesn't matter, so we're going to do it over. And the truth is in your life, it seems like this is what happens to us over and over in our life. We, we make these mistakes and we have a chance for a, a do-over. And there's some things I want to talk about when it comes to being stronger. Every time um, this happens throughout the Bible, there's, there's these stories in the Bible, one after another, and I started thinking, okay, where are the do-over stories in the Bible? And you just open the Bible, and every story is like a second-chance story. It's like, well, first Moses did this, and he made the wrong choices, and he did this, and he did this, and it was, he was an idiot, and you read it, and you go, what a stupid thing to do, and then you realize, yeah, that's probably what I've done. And then later on in the story, Moses ends up being the hero, and he gets a second chance, and he does it right. Or you, you see David, and he gets a chance to, to kind of be a king, and then he messes it up, and then he has to go and get, a, get another chance. And every story in the Bible sort of has this second-chance feel to it, and so does yours. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, don't conform to the world. Don't do what the world does. You know what the world does? They, everybody in the world, they, those who aren't following God, they, they make these terrible choices in their lives, which we all do at times, and then they don't learn anything. They don't make any changes. They don't do anything different. They just do the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. Paul says, don't conform to the way the world works, but be transformed. Change the way you think about your life. I've been praying for you this week. I knew that you would be here, some of you, some of you, I didn't know you'd be here, but I think I was praying for you anyway. God knew you'd be here. And I know that some of you desperately need change of mind. Maybe you're doing the same thing over and over again every day. In fact, you can't even remember if today's Tuesday or Thursday because it feels the same. And the truth is you're just doing the same thing over so many times that you forgot that what God intends for you to do is to get better every day. To take the experiences, the mistakes, the stuff you've done and make a change for the better. Paul says when you do that, when you change your mind and you start thinking this way, then you can test and approve what God wants for you. His good and pleasing and perfect will. So what I want to do today is I want to give you three myths that is going to make a couple of you mad. I know it. and I, The problem with a small church is that I know you all, and I, as I was preparing this, I'm like, oh, she's going to be mad. Oh, he's going to be mad at this. I'm going to get an email about that. But I love you so much, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay? I wouldn't have done this before, but I have earned the right okay, to do this because I believe it's what God wants us to do. There are three myths that I want to talk about when it comes to startovers, when it comes to do-overs, when it comes to those things in your life where you've made a bad decision or a bad thing has happened to you, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a problem with a relationship, maybe it's a problem with a job and you've taken this job and you didn't know you shouldn't have taken it and you took it, so now you've got this, and you've got a second chance. You've got another chance to do another thing. There are some myths about these things in our lives that I want to start to debunk. And the first one is this. 
the experience myth. That somehow experience makes you wiser. You hear this in your life. That if you go through something, you get wiser. You get stronger. You get better. But the truth is, that's a myth. That's not exactly how it works. Experience does not always make you wiser. In fact, more often than not, a bad experience in your life doesn't make you wiser. It makes you sadder. makes you meaner. That's why you see the older some people get, especially men. I don't know why this happens with men. The older some men get, the more their arms cross, like they have a big crease in their arms for permanently because they cross their arms. And the older they get, the matter they get. And the matter they get, the more their bottom lip sticks out. And they, they make noises instead of form words. And they get madder and they get angrier and they get hoofier. And the reason is because not, they just keep making the same mistakes. They keep going through life doing the same thing over and over. And you know what? Experience doesn't make them better. It doesn't make them wiser. It doesn't make them smarter. It makes them madder and frustrateder, if that's a word. It makes them angrier. And it makes you angrier, madder, more frustrated, more disillusioned too. The bad experiences you have in your life, the good experiences, those experiences don't automatically equal better, wiser, smarter for you. Now, evaluated experience, going through a terrible experience like my divorce, Going through an awful experience like your latest relationship or the job that just fired you or the awful thing that just happened with your neighbor or your family, whatever those things are, just going through them doesn't make you wiser. But evaluating them, being able to look back at them and say, this is what I did wrong, this is what they did wrong, this is what I ain't ever doing again, that makes you wiser. And I know that doesn't sound profound to you, but the problem is most of us just go through life making the same mistakes and we don't get any stronger. So today, as we keep going through these myths, I want you to think about it. You already are, I know. You're thinking about the things you're going through, the issues you're going through, and the ways that you may be able to evaluate your life. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to evaluate the things that are going on in our lives so that we can get stronger every day as we go through these experiences. And the second myth is the no better myth. And actually, this sounds really good when people say this. And the truth is, if, if you do it right, this really is good, but I've heard this a lot, that, you know what, I, I, I was really dumb when I was a kid, and you know what, I didn't know any better, but now that I know better, I'll do better. That's a myth. Knowing better doesn't automatically equal doing better. And this is why, parents, this is why we do this, we tell your kids, hey, don't forget to put your seatbelt on. Did you see what was in the paper last week about the, about the kid in the seatbelt? Don't forget to put your seatbelt on. I know, Mom. And we, our kids say, I know, Dad. What they are saying is, I know better than he did. I know, I know. But we know, parents keep saying it over and over and over because parents know that knowing better doesn't automatically mean doing better. Knowing what the right thing to do is doesn't automatically mean you will do the right thing. In fact, we were at the uh, Friday night, Risha and I and Allison and Kenzie and Reese, London didn't get to go and she was disappointed but Reese was really happy um, that he got to go and, and without London and we went to the uh, Indianapolis Indians game, they had this huge fireworks show, it was like it was just for us, it was right there in front of us, it was a nut. We had this amazing experience and in the middle of it, uh, Reese had gotten, it was Star Wars night which is like, they built this just for Reese, you know, he's a Star Wars freak. And I had to get him a, a souvenir, and he had all these things that said Indianapolis Indians on I was pushing him there, and then he saw a little lightsaber that you hit a button, and it goes, it was over. So he got one of those. And as it got darker, the kids started getting tired of the game, because the baseball game is sort of the secondary to the whole thing. 
And he gets up and he sees there's a bunch of kids over behind us playing with their lightsabers. And it's dark over there and you can see the lightsabers and they're playing games and they're whatever. Well, we, we get over there and I, I want to go with him because I don't know anybody and there's lots of kids and it's just a little bit of a weird environment for me. He wanted to go by himself. And he was a little mad that I wouldn't let him go by himself. So I said, you know what, uh, let's make a deal. I'll stand about 100 feet from you. I'll pretend I'm not your dad. You know, that's what he wanted. He didn't want people. And I'll just kind of keep an eye on you. Well, I kept an eye on him. And I don't know if you've had this experience as a parent. I'm sure you have. But it's one thing when your kids behave and make the right choice when you're standing with them. It's another thing when you're not with them and they have an opportunity to make choices. Well, there was a a little girl, really young girl, um, and she was probably three or four years old, and somehow her parents didn't seem to have the same concerns I did. They were just gone. And she was over there playing with these big kids that had lightsabers. And they're playing, and they realize they have a young little girl who can't defend herself, and these boys start hitting her with lightsabers. And they're being kind of gentle, but it's scaring her, and they're laughing, and I look at Reese, and he's forgotten I'm watching. I know he's forgotten at this point. He's sweating like crazy, and all the boys are running after this little girl with their lightsabers. And Reese is standing with his lightsaber, making a choice. He's making a decision. At that moment, he knows what is right. He knows exactly what he needs to do at that point. He needs to come find Dad. He needs to step away. But everything in him wants to hit something with a lightsaber. And that little girl doesn't have one. It's a perfect opportunity. And by the way, who's going to know? See, knowing better doesn't automatically equal doing better for you, too. Reese, just the end of that story, he looked down at those girls and he looked at his lightsaber, at that little girl, and he looked at the kids. And it looked so fun, and you could see him kind of step towards it. And I just had this moment, you know, I'm a preacher. I always have these little moments like this is an epiphany in his life. You know, I'm sure he'll never remember it again. But it was like, it was this moment. Am I going to make the right choice or not? And he stepped towards them and finally he looked down at his lightsaber and he turned and he ran towards me. And I never said a word to him about it and he never said a word to me about it. He made the right choice. And I was so proud of him, but he doesn't always. And, and neither do you because knowing better doesn't always equal doing better. Now, if we can know better and realize what we must do better the next time, now you've got something. But we don't do that. We don't stop. We don't, we don't stop to look at the things around us. Here at New Life, that's what the next half of this year is going to be for us here at New Life. We've spent the first half of the year talking about stronger and how God wants us to be stronger. The next half of the year is going to be systematically, carefully looking at the way we live our lives and deciding how can we do better? What can we do better this time than we did last time? Here's the thing. Whatever you just came through, the awful experience you just had or the, the time at work or the relationship or whatever it is, whatever you just came through, you don't have to live like that again. You don't have to do it like that the second time. But if you don't choose to do different things, you will have the same result. This is why... Now, we had a girl that lived with us for a while. She just seemed to date the guys that were the idiots. Oh. And I loved her. She, she wasn't my daughter, but she, I kind of acted like she was, and she lived in our house. She would date this guy, and it would just be awful, and he'd be like, she'd bring him home. She said, what do you think of this guy? And I'd be like, hey, did you meet him in a ditch? Like, he, 
He's a jerk. He's treating you like a jerk right in front of me. You know, like, a, what a jerk. And she's like, oh, it's going to be so good. We're going to live happily ever after. And two weeks later, we find out, oh, yeah, he cheated on me last night and then ended up calling me a bad name. And we, like, yeah, shocker. Well, she spends two weeks in bed, exhaust, you know, so upset about this. Comes, sits in our living room for two days, you know, and we talk with her about the kinds of guys and the kind of, she ends up next week, the next night on Facebook saying, hey, I'm back at the same stinking bar he picked, she picked up this guy at last time. She brings another guy home and goes, what do you think of this guy? Same kind of a jerk, same kind of an attitude, treats women the exact same way. What do you think's going to happen? Knowing better doesn't mean doing better. Some of the girls that are in this room right now are doing that. You're doing it right now. You want a better life. Do something different. Stop going to that bar to find the guy that's going to be your Prince Charming. Stop, finding, stop thinking you're going to be the one to change him because you ain't. And this is what we do. Just knowing better doesn't mean doing better. We have to make good choices. We have to keep accountable to it. Here's the third myth I want to talk about. And this is probably the most, the biggest one. If you're going through something right now, especially when it comes to relationships or um, when it comes to like a job situation, if you're going through something right now, what you're thinking right now is time is against me. I remember feeling this way when I was, right after my divorce. Like, I, I gotta, I gotta go, I, now what am I gonna do? Like, I, you know, once all the pain was kind of starting to subside, I'm going, oh my gosh, time's against me, and, and, and now I'm laughing at it, you know, I was like 24, and I'm going, oh no, I'm not ever gonna be able to kids, and I was, you know, 30 before I did, and I'm fine, and, but at the time, there's the sense that uh, time is against me. And that's the myth. And your brain's going to tell you that. The world's going to tell you that time is against you. But if you're going through something awful, if you have gone through something, if you've made the wrong choices, or if it's led you to a place you never thought you would be, you need to know that time is actually not your enemy. It's your friend. Over and over and over. And now I know what you're saying. Some of you are going to go, John, you don't know my situation. If I could come up here and tell everybody my situation, everybody would go, well, yeah, go. You need to go. Almost every single time when things are bad in your life, time is on your side. And the more time you can give it, the better the situation ends up. If you look through the Bible, God does this every time. God does this every time. He causes people to wait. You go, man, why did it take so long? This is what it takes. And here's one of the reasons why it takes this. I've never seen this happen more often um, than when when there is a relationship problem. But it happens every time something bad goes on. That you become self-absorbed. And this is what pain does. You know, when when you get hurt doing something. Um, this happens to, to Reese and London. If they get hurt in the driveway, um, they get skinned on their knee, you know. It's like your body says, nothing matters to me in my life because my knee hurts, you know. It's like there's nothing important anymore until I can get this thing figured out. It's a natural human reaction to pain. But the same thing is true as if, if emotionally. If you're in emotional pain right now, today, if you're in emotional pain, whatever that is, depression, if somebody's hurt you relationship-wise, if you've lost a job, if you've, a friend has, dis, uh, has dishonored you in some way, if you're in emotional pain, it does the same thing to you. It makes you self-absorbed. And it, it's, it's not your fault. This is a human reaction. It makes you think only about yourself. And this is what happens. You talk to your friends and you talk to your family, and they, they, they often leave going, man, they just can't quit talking about this. 
They just want to talk about themselves. And if you go to a small group or you go to a, a place where there's a, a bunch of Christians, you always leave, you know, they, the, the people that are hurting always leave going, man, wasn't that amazing? It was such a good time. We had such a good talk. And the people are going, no, you're the only one that talked, <laughs> you know? And, and the reason is because yourself, when you're hurting like that, you're absorbed. You can't think outside yourself. So you can't make any choices outside of yourself. It takes some time, some healing, so you can think clear. These are myths. And you'll see this in Jeremiah. Look at this piece of scripture. I love this. God starts to talk about these awful times in our lives. And if you're going through a hard time right now, or if you're just coming through a hard time, maybe you you're, have a friend or a family member who are going through a hard time, this is a great piece of scripture to share with them. Jeremiah says this. This is the way God put it. They found grace in the desert. You know what the desert was? The desert represented for the Israelites, these people, that it represented this time of waiting. Like God said, you know what, I know things are hard right now, but you guys go out, you walk in the desert, and soon I'm going to lead you to a place that makes more sense to you. Many of you are going, boy, that'd be great in my life. I'm right now, I'm in the desert, and I'd be great if life made more sense. And here's what Jeremiah says about it. He says, they found grace in the desert. Yeah, but John, wait a minute. Didn't they find grace when things got better? Didn't they find grace when they finally found that man that's going to be the Prince Charming? Didn't they find grace when they finally found a good job? Didn't they find grace when they finally got through that thing? No. They found grace in the desert, in, the, in that time in their lives where things seemed like they just were waiting. Israel was out looking for a place to rest, met God out looking for them, and God told them, I never quit loving you. Maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe you have messed up too many times. Maybe you feel like God can't forgive you. You need to know this is a message directly from God. He says this, I'll, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. This is the way I say it to my son tonight. I love you more than cheeseburgers. I love cheeseburgers, especially when I'm on a diet, you know, I mean, there's cheeseburgers, big greasy whopper, you know, stuff coming down the side, down your, I divert. I tell him, I love you more than cheeseburgers, and sometimes I'll tell him, I love you more than golf. I need him to know, there is nothing, I mean, I, his mom is just right there, you know, a little above him, I would choose over him, but other than God, Man, dude, there's nothing. I love you more than cheeseburgers. I love you more than anything in my life. This is God to you today. Whatever you got going on, whatever thing you've done, it, see, it doesn't matter how many bad choices Reese has made that day. I still love him more than cheeseburgers. And God still loves you. Love, 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 and more love. The, the original language there is like the word gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The person who was translating that just made the word bigger and bigger and bigger. Love, 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 love. That's who God is for you. Right here, right now. Especially in the desert of your life. And so now, look at this. Now, I'll start over with you. See, here's the problem. If you don't let God do His thing in your life, if you're going through an awful time or the next time you go through an awful time or the people in your life that are going through an awful time, when you, they just want to go, all right, I just want the next thing. I want the next guy. I want the next girl. I want the next job. I want the next, I got to just, I got to move forward. I got to start over. I need to start over. And look what God says. You go be in the desert. You wait. You stop. And I'll start over. You stop. You do the right thing. You be 
with me. And you wait. And I'll start over with you and build you up again. Dear Virgin Israel, you resume, you'll resume your singing, grabbing tambourines and joining in the dance. I love this promise. But it comes in the midst of the desert. And here's the thing. I'm almost done here, but I've got to tell you this. Every time God has a start, a start over story in the Bible, and it's true, the people I've met in my life, and some of you, man, I, I know you. I know you really well, and I know you're some of your start overs. I've been through the bad decision, and I've been through a couple more bad ones, and then like I've got to start over, and then oops, I did it again, and, then, and, then, and now I see you, and you've made this great change in your lives, and man, holy cow, I've seen these changes in you. And every time, these three things in common. This is what God intends. So if today you're going, you know what, John, I totally resonate that. I do not want to make the same mistakes over. I want to be stronger tomorrow than I am today. I want to be better. Then here's what it takes. All these start-over stories involve three things. Maybe more than this, but three things that I've noticed. The first one, when God does a start-over story with His people, He waits. It takes time. There's always more time than they want. It's always more time than you want. But you need to know, if you're going through a start-over story right now and you feel like you're waiting, you're in a good place. This is what God wants. Secondly, He develops a divine sense of purpose in you. This is an amazing thing, and I've, I've seen this with my buddy Nick. I don't mean to single you out, but I just love you. I've seen a guy go through some awful things. Awful things happened to him. He made some awful choices himself, and now he's going, I don't want that again, and man, I don't want to make those same mistakes. And then, you know what he said to me a few weeks ago? He didn't mind me saying this, I'm sure. He said to me, I feel like God wants to do something with all this. But I have a purpose. In your story, this is what God wants for you. He wants to take your junk, he wants to take this stuff, and he wants to, to, to kind of roll it all up, it's going to take some time, and he wants to say, now I can use it, I, I want to use you. And then at the, the, always what happens is this incredible humility. He develops a new humility, and here's the way it sounds, the pronouns in your life change. Here's what I mean by that, in case you weren't a real grammar person like me. A pronoun is the he, she, I, those kinds of things. What happens in your life when you make a real change and I've been around it so many times. We're called New Life Christian Church, and we put a big sign on the, on, the, on the door out here that says New Life, and it's got a big guy that does this, and people look at it. They think it's a brand promise. You know, I come here for New Life, and it is. I mean, this is what God has available to you, but it's not going to happen just by walking in the door. And some people think, hey, is this where you come for New Life? <laughs> You're like, yes, but there's some work to be done. And so what happens is they come in, and here's what I hear. I, 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 I. Yeah, but what about the, no, it's not them, it's me. I, it's I want and I need. And the only time it is them is when it's somebody's fault. You know, it's their fault and I, I feel bad. And if God would just give me this and I need peace and I need money and I need this and I need that and I need this and I need that. And then they say, I want to change. And I go, you know, we'll see. I hope. But normally, when I see the most drastic change is when the pronouns begin to change. Happened over here. Happened right over there. People come to me and going, you know what? People who felt the way I feel need help. People who are alcoholics need a place to come together and talk about their alcoholism. People who are broken need some place to go. John, can I, can I start helping with VBS? I don't, I don't know anything about kids, but those kids need food. And they need people. And you go, uh-oh, this time 
it's a real change. This time it's real because that's the way God's stories work. When the pronouns change, you're going to change too. But until then, you're in that moment of like my son when he scrapes his knee on the driveway where you're self-absorbed. i got to get, it's me and it's about me and, and, and that's okay. It's part of life and it's part of emotion. But you'll know when it's real change. You'll know when it's time to start over because the pronouns change. It's what God wants to do with you. Because my favorite thing to preach about is this word right here. Redeemed. Now it might sound churchy, might sound like a churchy word, and I wish it didn't because it's such a cool word. Church has kind of ruined it by singing songs they don't know what they mean and saying it when they don't really know what it means. But here's what the word redeemed really means. It means adding value to. Did you know that? So, Stick with me because there's lots of kids yelling and there's lots of things going on. I know that. But I, I need you to hear this just for a second. Redeemed means the junk that you've been through. The stuff that has happened to you that's not fair. Maybe some of it is fair. Maybe some of it you caused yourself. Whatever has gone on in your life, the decisions, the things that have happened, the awful things can have value. You can move forward in your life, and not just forget about it, but at one point in your life say, I get it. Now maybe it still hurts, but it changed me. I would not be who I am without that. It's called redeemed. And if you've ever been to a church where they talk about heaven and that's all they talk about, you need to feel sorry for them because they don't know what redeemed means. (laughs) Redeemed means that on earth, right here, right now, This isn't all about heaven. This isn't all about just some one day going to eternity. This is about right here, right now. All the things in your life mattering. All the past things, all the present things, and all the future things mattering significantly for where you are right now. It's the promise you have. If you follow Jesus in the way He wants you to live your life. So today, we're almost done. Band, you guys can come up. Today, I want you to read this piece of Scripture from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, this is one of the pieces of scriptures, and you know me, if, uh, if you've been around here very long, you know how I hate the Christian-isms, the things that people say because they don't know what else to say, and they mess up scripture, and they say things in terrible times, and they just don't know what else to say. And this is one of those. Something awful goes on in your life, and somebody goes, well, you know, all things work together for the good. And you go, no, no, they don't, because I've seen that. And this, this is one of those scriptures people mess up. You need to know. The guy that wrote this, his name is Paul. And go back one, Tanya. There you go. Um, the guy that wrote this name is Paul, and he was the worst, one of the worst people in the world when this, when, before, just before he wrote this. He, w- he was going just killing Christians. He thought that what he was doing was right, but he was going just killing Christians with the sword. If he found out they were Christian, he would just kill them, just chop their heads off. He killed so many people, and he was well known for this throughout the land, throughout everywhere. In fact, this was his reputation. He was a Christian killer. You know, um, so one day he was on the road and God knocked him off his donkey. Just totally knocked him off his donkey. Some of you need to be knocked off your donkey today. Um, I've seen some bad cars out there, but no donkeys. Some of you may need to be knocked off your donkey the way Paul was. At that point, his name was Saul. God changed his name. When you get knocked off your donkey the way he did, it will change your name. God changed his name that day. And when he did, he said, you're going the wrong direction, dude. I want you to be a Christian maker instead of a Christian killer. And it changed Paul. You know what it did to Paul? Here's the funny thing it did to Paul. He had to wait. It was about 14 years. Somewhere like that, Paul had to wait. We talked about that. That's what God does. 
We had to wait. And then he felt this kind of a purpose, like this is what I'm supposed to do with my life, so much so that he didn't even get married. He dedicated his life to doing what God wanted him to do. He, he felt purpose, and then his pronouns changed. Paul's pronouns changed. He started doing his life for other people. And he says this, in the midst of all of that, everybody knows who he is. He says this, and we know those of us who go through awful things make terrible choices and sometimes bad things just happen to us. We know that in all things, now the things he's talking about are the awful choices you've made and the awful choices that have been made against you and the things that are just life. In all of those things, God works. Now, I love this. I could preach a whole sermon off this. I promise I won't. God works. He, he's working in it, and he is the only thing that works for you in your life at that time. I promise you. In these things, God works. Look what he says next. For the good of those who love him. You know what this means? Those who love him. In this context, with this Greek word here, what this means is loving God means choosing him over you. It means saying, God, I, here are the things I want from my life. I just want another guy, so I'm going to another bar. God, I just want another job, so I'm going to take the first thing I see. God, I just want this, so I'm just going to go do it. Instead of saying that, it's God, I want what you want before what I want. So put this in context. We know, those of us who have been broken, we know that God works for those who choose Him over themselves, who love Him. Next slide. And who have been called to his purpose. You know what his purpose is? To redeem you and everyone around you. Next slide. Next time can be better than this time. But not just because you want it to. Don't, don't do the, uh, the uh, can't think of the yellow brick road. Don't do that. Don't do the close your eyes and click your heels and hope things get better. Things won't get better just because you've gone through them. It can be better next time, but not just because you want it to. Only with evaluated experience makes you wiser. Knowing better does not equal doing better. And time is not against you. God wants to redeem your story. He wants to redeem your story this morning, and I'm going I'm to stop it right there. Maybe you need to be knocked off your donkey like Paul was. I'd like to see it. <laughs> if you feel knocked off your donkey today, come and talk to me. Because I know what happens to people who get humbled. It's the beginning of big things. Maybe today you felt like the experiences you have will just make you wiser, just make you better. You need to know. You need to be careful. Come back next week, please. Three more weeks, we're going to talk specifically about how God wants to use the experiences in our life to make us stronger. Would you come back next week? And would you choose to be redeemed? Not just saved, redeemed. Just stand with us and sing.